ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Amy. Jacob Stevens, welcome back to ATV Talk. How are you, brother? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, little birdie tells me that something big happened in your world over the weekend. Yeah, something big. Something, uh, something that was a little unexpected, but definitely a great weekend. Unexpected by who? You? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, the rest of us have been betting on the side taking squares on when you were going to pull this off. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I just didn't think it, this was definitely not the race. I thought it was going to happen at, but we got it done. Well, yeah. Now this, now we're betting on the first place squares. So yeah, soon. Hopefully I'm going to keep working. Well, I didn't win the money, but you know, somebody <laughs> and dad's pretty, pretty stoked, right? Yeah. He was super happy. My, both my mom and dad, they were pretty, emotional i could say on saturday night that's awesome so um what do you think of the course and that style of race um yeah it was definitely not what i expected i thought it would be a, a little less of of how many obstacles there were um but it wasn't bad i mean I'm, lo- I'm glad I went up to practice because I almost had to work on Friday and then I would have not had any practice and that probably would have turned out really bad. So I'm glad I got to go up and practice on Friday and um, I kind of just rode practice and took my time and tried to figure out, you know, the fastest way to get over all the obstacles and get everything dialed in. It was just something that I'm out of everybody in the class, I'm definitely the least experienced wise when it comes to logs and tires and um, stuff like that. But um, I was super happy with how technical and tight the track was. Cause I think um, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a, a technical track rider. Like I, I think I succeed more at a, a track like Loretta Lynn's that's not super high speed versus um, you know, a, a wide open track. 
Exactly. Exactly. I, I knew that this round would be something for you, uh, even though there were obstacles, just knowing your background and, and, and what you were, you know, you're a motocross guy, you know, you're still a motocross guy. It's not going to, I don't think you'll ever lose the skills that, and the, and the style back there, you're just going to have to incorporate it to what you do out here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, so I was super happy with how technical it was. Um, that kind of just made it a little bit more comfortable for me. And uh, yeah, I, uh, it just, like I said, something I definitely didn't expect with how little time I have with logs and, you know, I'd never even gone over tires before. So it was just something that I wasn't expecting to, to do great at, but you know, it worked out. It did. Was it nerve wracking having Bo behind you um, for those few laps? Um, yeah, I think well, at last year at Mesquite, I pulled the whole shot as well. So I had him behind me there as well. I think that time was definitely a little bit more nerve wracking. Um, but there was one section on the track when we were going from outside to inside of the arena. And there was like five logs in a row and every single lap he was right next to me. And uh, luckily, you know, they had like a tunnel jump going into the arena that was too skinny for two quad to be side by side. So I was able to nudge him out and, you know, hold him off for, for those first few laps. But um, yeah, the one time he just, he went through those logs super fast and got around me. Does it give you a little bit more respect for, your elder? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's not that I, I don't respect him cause I always have. Um, but I knew he was going to be fast. You know, I knew that he's got so much experience doing these kind of, um, races out here. I mean, he's been racing, you know, the work series for a very long time. So, um, experience, you know, is, is huge. And, um, I, I knew he was going to, you know, be fast over those obstacles. And I knew it was going to be tough to beat him. And I think that I gave everything I could to hold him off. Um, but he just, he had that little bit more speed than I did and he got it done. Exactly. Let's, let's, uh, let's go back and do some review, you know, for the year, this was round five. Um, where, where are you doing, where are you at so far for the year? Um, I, don't even know exactly where I sit in points. I want to say sixth, um, just because I had a good round at Prim. I got fourth there, and then uh, at Glen Helen, I broke my uh, spindle rod on my front wheel. Um, had, I didn't finish half the race, so I didn't get points there, which put me in a pretty deep hole. Um, and then Havasu, I got a fourth, which was pretty solid. I was that race was probably the gnarliest race I've ever done in my life. Um, and then uh, I broke a chain at Taft. So, and, you know, I just, I've had some bad luck um, with breaking the bike during the race. And, um, you know, me and, you know, everybody that, you know, helps me out, we're, we're working towards um, just dialing the bike in and, you know, making sure it finishes motos. I think that's the most important part right now is uh, for this year, I just, we're still trying to figure everything out. So if we can just dial the bike in and, and make sure that we're, replacing the parts that break as often as they do um, more often that I, I think we'll have a pretty solid program going into next year or even the end of this year. What, what made Havasu so difficult? Uh, it was just, 
there was not an inch of, of relaxation on that track. I mean, every single second of that race was brutal. I mean, uh, there was not one smooth straightaway. There was not one smooth corner. There was nowhere to, you know, take a couple deep breaths and, and relax. It was just pounders the entire time. And the track is, is so short. And, um, I know I've talked to a couple other riders that are in pro and pro am, um, about it. And it is so much harder to do 90 minutes when the laps are shorter. And I don't know if that's a realistic thing. Um, but when you do, you know, a five minute lap versus a 10 minute lap, you're doing so many more laps, even though it's still 90 minutes, it just feels like the race gets drug on so much longer than a normal, you know, five or six mile course. Well, you're beating yourself to death on the same turn and the same jump and the same kicker so many times that it's repetitive. It's super, super, yeah, it was just super repetitive. I got super pumped up and I think my biggest, um, you know, where I fatigued most was my back. My lower back was absolutely fried probably 30 35 minutes into the moto wow and you can't sit anywhere i mean i was just just going through the pain and i I thought i did pretty solid there i mean like i said i'm still working on getting the endurance up and everything um that's probably i mean we've talked about it before it's definitely the biggest learning curve i've had um moving into the series is just the the endurance of the moto and uh i held roberto off so I, i rode third for I want to say like 70% of the moto. Um, but he was just, he was not quitting. You know, he was just, he kept getting faster and I was just getting a little bit slower throughout the race. So, um, I was pretty happy with how I finished at Havasu. He was relentless, huh? Yeah. I mean, he, he was not, you know, there was, he was not getting tired and you can just, I could feel him on my bumper every lap. I mean, we probably did 20, 22 laps there. And every lap, he's just on my bumper. And I, there was no gap. There was no break where I could just kind of relax and, and take it down a notch or two to breathe. It was just like a full-out sprint. And it was just super hard to hold on to for that long. Do you think that, the, that it was more of, a, more of a sprint race, even though it was so rough and technical? Yeah, I, I do. I think that everybody was just... Every, I mean, everybody this year, they're riding so well. Travis, uh, I mean, Bo, obviously, he hasn't lost yet. And uh, Roberto, which is a bummer. He did have a small injury, which he didn't get to race this past weekend, which kind of sucks. But, he, I mean, he's on another level um, this year. I mean, I, I didn't – I know he didn't do as well as he wanted to last year, but he's, he's fast. And uh, Alex Ortiz, he's really picking it up lately. And, you know, these guys are – are fast. So, I mean, it's, it's no, it almost feels like it's no more of a, you know, paced out long moto. It's almost like 90 minutes of everything you got. Yeah. You have to, you have to put them down because if you relax in the beginning, you're too far behind to catch them at the end. Right. And if you relax at the end, they're knocking on your door already. Exactly. So I think, um, it's tough right now with, with riding in between races, um, just with, you know, ordering parts and, and getting the bike situated for the next race. So hopefully, you know, when we get this big break over the summer, um, I'll be able to get in some good ride time and training time and, 
Um, I think that'll definitely help a lot more. I just, I think I just need to be on the bike more. I mean, I'm in the gym as much as I can be, but it's just, it almost feels like it's not enough sometimes. Do you think there's a big diet difference between running 90 minutes or running an off-road race versus running motocross? Um, I don't think so. I think, um, the diet stays pretty similar because I mean, even over there and in this sport in general, hydration is like the biggest key, um, to your nutrition. If, if you're dehydrated, you're not going 10 minutes on a track, you know? So, um, I think, I don't think much changes. I definitely, I think I hydrate a little bit more than I would, you know, race in MX. Um, but I also probably wasn't hydrating enough when I was racing MX. So, um, I think it's pretty similar with, with just how you take care of your body. And, um, I mean, to be in your top physical shape, even if it's a sprint versus, you know, a long endurance race, you know, nutrition stays pretty similar. Do you get into any of the blood work or any of the other things that some of the riders do Are you monitoring heart rate, things like that? Um, I monitor heart rate, but I don't, I don't get into any of the blood work stuff. Um, when I first started racing MX, you know, way back in when I was racing C-class, um, I worked with uh, a trainer for, you know, six years and he definitely changed my mindset on fitness. Um, and I'm glad I got the experience with him and everything. So, um, you know, once I got that experience with, with training and dieting and, and fitness and stuff like that, I just, I kind of took it a little seriously and, um, I really just focus on, you know, being as healthy and in, in shape as I can be. So how many sodas a day do you have? Mm, I don't have one every day, every <laughs> couple, every couple of days I'll have one. <laughs> I was just throwing that out there to be a smart ass, but yeah, not. And that's the other people. A lot of people are stuck on the whole sugar thing. And a lot of people don't know that sugar is the first calorie you're burned. So, I mean, even if you drink a soda a day and you go, you know, cycle for two hours, you burn that one can of soda in the first 10 minutes of cycling. So, I mean, as long as you're not drinking, you know, six, seven, eight sodas a day, you'd be, it's not going to kill you. Eichner used to drink Pepsi all the time. Yeah. I know some pros that drink a soda before they go race. Wow. That's, I don't know if I could do that. that it's almost rough. like, cause sugar's like in, especially in MX world. I know, I don't know about soda, but I know some riders will eat like candy because sugar is like an instant energy. You know, it, it's the fastest calorie to burn. So it's the fastest, you know, source of energy that you can get in your body. So I know some people that will, you know, take a couple gummy bears up to the gate or, you know, a pack of Smarties or something like that. And they'll eat it right on the gate. And, um, I don't know if it's, a proven fact, but people say it, it helps with their, you know, energy levels. Well, if it helps his mind or her mind, then you yeah. do it just because it's, that's just the way it is. I mean, you, and I, I think it all started because back in the, I don't know how many, a couple of years ago when Austin Forkner was really racing for a, a two fifty title, he was doing the pixie sticks on the gate. It was all over the internet and all over TV. And he'd, down a, a pack of sugar right before it got on the track. Mm. And it goes, but it is counter, per, it is counter to what everybody tells you because yeah. doesn't the sugar burn off and then there's a drop. Um, yeah, there is. You do, I think you do, but I think it gives it that, you know, that first couple lap, 
you know, jitters and, and energy. Cause a lot of people will get, you know, so tight in the first couple of laps and, and, you know, the heart rate will spike and it'll kill the rest of their moto. And I, honestly, I think that's a little bit of what happened to me at, at Vegas. The first couple of laps I was, you know, holding bow off. I got super like tense and I probably wasn't focusing on my breathing and, you know, it just, it wore me out quick. Do you think if you'd have just relaxed, you could have held him off longer? Um, yeah, I think if I would have just calmed down a little bit and uh, really focused and, and focused on my breathing, um, I, I probably breathed through my mouth for the first 15, 20 minutes of that race. So if I really, I think if I would have focused on breathing, I think I could have held him off a little bit longer. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that he would have passed me eventually. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He was, he was pretty just, aggressive. He's good. He's just, he's good. There's, I got, he, there's no other way to put it than he's just, he's a 10 time champion for a reason. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's relaxed, calm and focused. And I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen him get rattled. No, yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, even the whole shot, he ran me in that corner. I'm sure hoping that I was going to lift first, but I didn't, I didn't lift. I didn't give him nothing. I just, you I had dug, the inside I, of the, I, inside I had of the outside on him. Oh, and you whole shotted it from the outside. Yeah. But we were side by side going down the whole shot. But the problem is that they put uh, one of them big tractor tires right on the inside of that corner. So as long as I could get my front end in front of his front end going, you know, tug like tucking into that corner, he had to let off because it was either hitting me or hitting the tire. So I just, he's clean. So he's not going to hit you. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I made sure that I suck one wheel out in front of him that he saw I was there and, and, you know, he let me go. I pulled the whole shot and, you know, I'm sure he thought in his head that he was, you know, in a good position to make a pass and win, um, even coming out second. So I'm sure he was pretty calm going into those first couple laps to where I was a little, (laughs) I was a little anxious. (laughs) Do you believe like most people after you've been there? Okay. Now I've been there. I know what it feels like. So the next time it's going to be easier. Um, I, it'll probably get a little easier, but I don't, I don't know that it'll ever get easier until I actually finish a full race in front of them. I think that'll be the the big turning point is if I actually go out there and beat him straight up, you know, no breakdown, no, no nothing. If I go out there and, you know, we race all the way till the end and I beat him, that's going to be the only time that, you know, I'm going to switch to a, a comfortable position of being out front. So did, was Travis ever a threat to you behind you? Um, I'm not sure really what happened off the gate. I, I want to say he came out pretty far back. I don't know if it, he struggled to get his bike started or, or something like that, but I believe he came out, uh, you know, pretty far back. So he had a little work to do and, you know, him getting off the bike, you know, racing those 45 minutes right before he got on the quad. I mean, those hitting those logs and, and those, you know, such a tight technical track, it, it takes a lot out of you. So, um, I, I give him all the credit in the world for getting off that bike and getting on the quad and still getting on the box. Um, but, uh, I, I could see him, you know, in my peripherals, I had some spots on the track that I was keeping an eye on him and just making sure that he wasn't gaining any time on me. As long as I stuck in the pace that I was in, um, he didn't seem to be gaining anything on me. So I just, you know, I kept an eye on him and, and he didn't really pull much on me. What other, other than the pro-ams who, who raced at the same time you guys did anybody else? Just, just pro-am and pro. 
How long did it take you guys to catch lappers? Two laps. Really? Two, three laps, yeah, probably. How did that work with Bo behind you? Uh, the lappers get out of the way, or did, were they causing any grief? Um, I believe when Bo, when I, when we were going through the lappers and he was behind me still, I think, yeah, they were pulling out of the way pretty quick. Um, but they, they weren't an issue even when he got in front of me. Um, they moved fairly, fairly well throughout the race. Um, I don't think there was many times that I got stuck behind somebody. Um, there was a double, double section on the inside of the arena, um, that not a lot of people were jumping. It was really, really peaky and, and kind of sketchy. So, um, a couple of the, the guys weren't jumping it. So there was a lap here and there where you'd get stuck behind a lapper and, you know, have to roll those doubles. But other than that, they, you know, they know you're coming. I mean, they're, they're, they're all pretty good at, you know, taking a peek over their shoulder and seeing who it is behind them. Really? That's yeah. Cool. Uh, so what's next for you? Uh, just keep working. Um, well, well, what's the, what's the next works race? Oh, Cedar city. Up in Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, yep. I don't know what that course is going to look like. Um, yeah, I'm not sure either. I know they built, I, I saw some videos of the, the motocross section of it last year. Um, from what I'm told, it's a lot like prim, like the desert, you know, track of it. It's, it's very similar to prim, which I, that makes me happy. Cause I, I really enjoyed prim. Um, I thought I did really well there. Uh, I also, you know, prim was the, the race that I pulled the fastest lap. So I'm pretty confident if it's like prim, I, I, I I'm excited to, you know, get a race like that back. Cause you know, Havasu is, you know, very unique of a race and Taft is very much like Glen Helen. And, um, so I, I'm excited if, it, if it's going to be similar to prim, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You think you could pull off a, a couple of fast laps, maybe a whole shot and, and lead for a while. Well, that's the plan. That's hopefully the- lead a little, hopefully lead a little longer this race than I did the last one. <laughs> well, that, that, that's true. Um, I was talking with Joel Hetrick about training and mm-hmm. have you ever done the no seat deal? Yep. Yeah. I was big in the motocross stuff. You think it would help you on an off-road train train without a seat for off-road? I think for Havasu. Yes. For everywhere else. Not so much just because, you know, all, a lot of these tracks, there's sections where, you can sit down and you can take a rest break. So, you know, I don't think that your, your legs or lower back on some of these tracks get as fatigued, you know, as say in, in a motocross race where you don't sit down at all. And I have a suit where you don't sit down at all. You know, those are the reason that they do the whole no seat motos is it, it, it takes that training to teaching your body to stand up as much as possible. Cause a lot of these, you know, MX tracks, you know, the national guys go to you, there's no break. There's no sitting down. It's you stand up the whole time. And I mean, if you watch Chad ride, he doesn't even sit down in the corners. I mean, he's standing up all 22 minutes of that photo. So, um, I think that's where the whole no seat moto stuff comes in. And it also, you know, if, if you're not comfortable with standing up through corners or standing up through the rough stuff, it'll teach you, you know, how to do it or, or when you should be doing it. And, and stuff like that. So I think, um, it's a, it's a little hit or miss out here with, with what race you're going up to, you know, if I was able to ride before Havasu, I think I definitely would have went out 
you know, rode a little bit without a seat. And I think it would have, would have helped for sure. Yeah. That that's a, that's a next year when Havasu comes around. Yeah. I'll be riding for the first three months of training without a seat for Havasu. (laughs) Dude, it's in round four. I know. I know, but it's coming coming and I got to be prepared. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody usually either hates Havasu or loves Havasu. When I was racing works, that was my favorite place to race. Yeah. I I know some people that, you know, they talk so highly of it. I know uh, Roberto loves it. Uh, Travis Damon, he loves it. Um, So yeah, I think it's just all personal preference of the style of, of riding that you like, you know, if you're a Sandy whooped out track rider then you know you gotta love it i don't think it's that for me because no i don't like to ride the whoops and i don't want to ride the sand i want to ride glass you know i want it smooth yeah but it 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 separates the men from the boys you know you you, yeah you you get to man up at that race and race and if you push through you're going to do well yeah no i agree it definitely separates you know who's in shape and who's not in shape and um that's definitely one of the like I said before, it's, it was the hardest race I've ever done in my entire career. Really? Yeah. Awesome. It, it was, it was insane. Um, I know the last time we talked that you were possibly going to go back East and race something maybe once, maybe twice, uh, or it, it, have you bagged that and not going to go back at all? Um, no, I think, I think the plan is to go to Loretta's and race. Um, we're still trying to figure out, you know, what I'll be racing if we're going to take, you know, my quad and, you know, throw some MX suspension on it and, you know, my smaller tank and just take that and race it. Or, or, um, you know, we're trying to see if maybe we could rent a bike or something like that, but the plan is definitely to go race Loretta's, um, still, uh, I just, it's, it's hard to, to, you know, not race back East again. That's, I can't say I don't miss every round. I, I, I'm not at. Do you think it's counterproductive for your off-road setup? Um, I don't think it's going to help me much. You know, I think it's more of, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go do it, um, just for fun. And, you know, I'm not going to really stress about performing well. I'm not, and I'm going to go race. We're going to race, you know, but it's more of a, a fun weekend for me and, you know, see my friends and, you know, the people that, I'm close with that are at the nationals. It's, it's more for that than it is for training. Um, so yeah, it's, it's probably not going to help me much in the off-road world or maybe it will. I mean, going out there and, you know, racing with those guys and sprinting with them might, you know, I might be able to pick up on a little, you know, technique and, and stuff like that. Do you think that the, the sprinting ability in motocross, uh, will, will eventually become more of a issue for you or not an issue for you, but, a, but a better tool in your toolkit racing works. I do think so. I think that that sprint, if I could, if I could sprint my all out the first, you know, 20, 30 minutes of a, of a works race, I think I could, you know, potentially, you know, stay in front or even put a little bit of a, of a gap, you know, on whoever's, you know, a Bo or Travis or anybody like that. I think, if I could ride my hundred percent, hundred percent sprint for the first half hour of the race, I think that it would, it would benefit me as long as I could, you know, turn it down into a still fast pace and hold that, you know, good pace for the rest of it. You know, as long as that sprint doesn't take too much out of me, I think that would, that would help me a little bit more for sure. 
That's what that's what Davey used to do. Yeah, just sprint, get a little bit of a gap, and then just ride it to the finish. Yeah, manage it. You know, yep. he was super. He when he came back from the nationals or when he was using that as training and getting ready to go back there, he came back fast. Yeah, yeah, he got he was he was very very successful in in the national series when he went back. I was I was pretty happy to see how he did when he came back over there. Yeah, he was. He came back to the to the West Coast fast and strong, and and mm-hmm. you know wasn't missing a beat. And Bo was a little frustrated, but yeah, <laughs> he still went out there and tried to put the, put the laps in. You know, yeah, for sure. What are you looking for in the rest of the year? You know, are you excited about a race coming up or a specific style course that you that you, that you want to race again? Um, I'm looking forward to Prem again. It's like I said, it's definitely the most enjoyable one I've, I've been to the, I think my favorite track that we've gone to so far was Prim. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to Prim at the end of the year. And, um, yeah, I'm just kind of going to, I'm looking forward to getting on the box more. That's for sure. (laughs) So you got a taste of it now. It's just, that's all you want to do. Yeah. uh, That's, uh, that's where I want to be every race that's on the box. That's the goal for the rest of the year. When you were in Glen Helen, you were in second when that spindle broke? Yes. Yeah, I was in second when the spindle broke. How were you feeling? No, I think I was in, I know I want to say Roberto, Roberto was in front of me. So I was in third when that spindle broke. I felt solid, you know, I felt really good. I think I could have, I think I could have taken that one to the, to the podium. Um, but, you know, things happen for a reason. It is what it is. And you guys upgraded those spindle parts? Yeah, we got, um, uh, I believe, either the Baldwin hardened rods or the Walsh ones are on there. So um, I'm a little bit more confident in those those parts on the bike. And um, I know we're going to, you know, that's gonna, that's on the maintenance list. You know, maybe every, you know, once every half a year or something, we're going to put new ones on just, you know, better safe than sorry. And like I said, it was one of those things that, you know, it doesn't break often in the MX world, but you know, it happened out here. So just did you run the, the still run the stock hub or did you upgrade the hub too? Uh, I'm running Baldwin hubs and then the spindles are still stock. Um, just the rod is hardened. So we pressed out the stock rods and put the hardened ones in. What, uh, what's the difference between the Baldwin hub and a stock hub? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- may, I maybe just you know strength and durability i think it just might be a, a stronger stronger build you know built for racing to where the stock ones are just you know built for yeah, going out and having a lot of people running stock hubs yeah yeah i ran them for those hubs that were on there were three years old so i mean there, there's no nothing wrong with them i think the only reason we switched to hubs is because we needed to buy new ones and and you just bought those instead? Yeah, just got Baldwin ones instead. What uh, What do you think of the works program in a whole as far as their point system? I know that I'm opening up a can of worms here. Mm, I, it's hard because, I mean, it's, it's the same at nationals. Um, I want to say 
I want to say pro is, is half, you got to finish half the race. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's part of it. I can't really knock it. Um, it's definitely a tough pill to swallow when, you know, you're a couple laps short of that, you know, half halfway through and you don't get any points. Um, it's tough. I mean, it's a tough, tough thing to do, but that, you know, it's, we're, we're professionals, you know, that's, that's part of the race. And as a professional is making sure your bike is getting through the race and making sure your body's getting through the race. And, you know, it's, it's all part of it crashing or breaking down or, you know, your fitness level. And it's not just going fast on a quad. There's it's, you know, we're professionals for a reason. So I think it's, I can't knock what they have in set. You know, it's been like that for forever. So it works and just got to deal with it, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, you could be like in MotoGP or F1. If you're not past a certain place, you don't get a point. It doesn't yeah. matter how, um, you know, the top, uh, I think MotoGP is 14 or 15 guys. You know, if you're 16th and, and you're in a, in a dead drag race with everybody mm-hmm. and you're the 16th guy, whether you're half a second behind the leader or not, you still don't get a point. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's the rules, you know, it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. You just gotta, just gotta be more on top of your equipment and making sure that you're, you're getting to the race. Did your machine take any excess damage in the amount of obstacles that you had to face uh, in Vegas? Uh, I don't think so. I think um, the shocks might need serviced, but um, <laughs> that's probably the only thing that I think took a lot of damage because the logs that we went over, they weren't like logs that we were, you know, clapping our linkages on. So I don't, I, other than, you know, maybe some hot oil, uh, that's probably the only thing that I think really could happen at a race like that. I was just uh, thinking that, you know, the, the extra pounding, you know, hitting the logs with the front end. Yeah with something that came loose or you had any issues with anything. Yeah. I'm definitely going to go over it all just to make sure nothing came loose. Cause I'm sure stuff could have vibrated out or, or, you know, when we're not hitting sharp, you know, tall logs, every lap, you know, 20 times a lap, I'm sure things probably did get a little loose. So I'm definitely going to you know go over everything, make sure everything's good to go for, for Cedar. I know that you had a, a shoulder injury earlier in the year as well. How did that hold up for you during the race in Vegas? Um, it was good in Vegas. Uh, Prim, it was a little, it was still a little sore. Um, but I just, I've been, I, I'm sure there's some medical thing wrong with it, but I have, you know, to be honest, I haven't got it looked at because as soon as the doctor tells me not to ride, I'm not going to stop racing until, you know, <laughs> we get this break. So. Um, do you, you know, think there's it, enough it, time? Do you think there's enough time from the start of the break if you were scheduled for a repair for you to be back in shape by the by the the following by August because that's when it ends? Yeah, I'm not sure. It de- I, I think it, it would all depend on on what's wrong with it. Um, I know I've done some research myself, and a lot of you know the sports, you know, medicine field you know, news articles that I've read about shoulder dislocations are a lot of like labrum issues. And I mean, I think a labrum surgery is like a, you know, six month heal time. So if I were to do it and I'd probably miss at least 
you know, maybe the, the first or second of the, the end of the year. Um, but um, I'm definitely going to go get it looked at over the break just to, you know, maybe get a game plan or maybe there's other ways that I can strengthen it. I have been doing some, uh, I have a, a good friend out here that's a physical therapist. So he gave me some band exercises and stuff like that to do to, to strengthen it. And um, it's definitely benefited since then, but I can, you know, it's still a little sore here and there, you know, I was throwing, you know, a football with my nephew the other day and I felt it kind of loosen up. So yeah, it's definitely something I'm just going to have to look at, but you know, other than, than those things that I didn't really notice it at Vegas much at all. Um, I got a EVS brace that I've been wearing, you know, when I ride, so that keeps it pretty solid in place. So yeah, just trying to get through the season at this point. (laughs) (laughs) It's still early, right? Yeah. It's still early. That's pretty awesome. I I like the fact that you're going to go get it checked out. You're still young and you have a long career in front of you. You need to make sure that you stay as healthy as possible. You know, there's no reason, there's no reason to risk that future career, you know, of, of 10 championships on an injury now. Yeah, I, I agree. And even, you know, thinking into the future, I'd love to be able to throw a football with my, my son without dislocating my shoulder every time. I throw something. So <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm probably definitely going to get it, get it checked out. You know, don't be a me. Cause I can't throw the ball with my grandkids. So yeah, uh, I, I totally understand that. I should have went to the doctor. I did. Yeah, I do a lot of other, you know, extreme sports for hobbies. You know, I, I enjoy snowboarding a lot. So, you know, during the winter months when we're off racing, uh, I spend a good amount of time, you know, at the ski resort and I'm snowboarding and I, I, I definitely dislocated it once or twice you know in the winter time snowboarding so i don't want to you know give up something like that you know something that i i enjoy doing over something such a small injury so yeah i'm definitely going to get it looked at and and see what the what they think that you know we're going to need to do to fix it what other sports do you participate in besides snowboarding and, and racing quads um nothing i really like compete in um but I, uh, I like, you know, riding BMX here and there and, you know, I'd go fishing, I guess that's a good, you know, hobby I have. I like that's fishing. That's not an extreme sport. Yeah, it is. I'm throwing that real far. <laughs> well, no, unless you're feeding sharks without a cage. Uh, yeah. I know. I wakeboard here and there in the lake and stuff like that. I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. So uh, I like doing some crazy stuff. Aren't we all? Yeah. I think anybody that touches a four-wheeler or dirt bike has to be, right? Well, yeah, it just doesn't go away. You know, I mean, you talk to guys that have retired, you talk to guys that transition into cars or something else. They don't get the same fix. Right. You know, so you either have to speed it up or you have to do something to make it more aggressive. You know? It, 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 I know Eichner, you know, cause with him and I are friends and I've asked him point blank many times. And I says, what do you do? And he goes, I want to get back on the quad. Well, you can run 50 over. And he goes, yeah, it's not the same. No, you, you don't not. go from, you don't go from being that guy <clears throat> to being that other guy. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, he could go win every 50 a race and, and qualify for the pro-am and probably run 
you know, top five or better in the pro-am every time. Uh, but what's, you know, that's still not who he is. Right. Yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to do something like that for sure. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, you know, it's almost like a. Yeah, but he's 50, 54, 50, 55, 56 years old. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it, I think it would be more of a, um, just if he wouldn't like it, you know, as, as much as doing it when he was a pro, you know, I think he was older than Bo when he won his last title. Really? Yeah. I don't think Bo's going anywhere. I don't think so. Everybody, everybody says he's done soon. He's done soon. I don't, why, why would he, this is his livelihood. This is what he loves. Why would he, why would he go anywhere? I thought he was done five years ago. Yeah. If there's no reason for If he's still winning, why leave? Exactly. Until one of you, know? you boys go out there and say, no, you're not going to win anymore. Um, he's going to stay. I, I still don't think he would leave even if he lost. Um, I there's think it would point. dig up a fire underneath him a little bit. I do. I believe that. But there's a point when the, when the, the fire's not there anymore, you know, no matter how much you love it, you know, there's just, yeah. uh, you know, there's just no fire there. Um, yeah. Do you get to watch any of the motocross action from back, uh, back East? This weekend? Um, yeah, I don't think anybody, usually there's some friends of mine that stream it live on Facebook and stuff, but I didn't see many live streams. So, uh, I did watch eScore. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I stay in, in touch with it pretty well. I talked to a couple people from the series and, you know, I get insight and race reports for them and stuff like that. Joel's making a mark, isn't he? Four for four. Yeah, it's putting a stamp on it. it it's, it, yeah. I mean, it, it's far from over with six rounds still to go. Lots oh, of things yeah. can happen, but oh yeah, um, he, he's won all but one moto, and and he seems to be doing well. I'm not totally positive that Chad's worked all the bugs out yet. There's got to be something going on in his program that he's got to figure out. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure what's going on with him. Um, I don't know if Joel just figured it out that much more this season than, than he has. Um, but you know, Joel's on another level this year. And I mean, we said it last year and I think last year was a big learning year for him, especially being on a new bike. So um, I think they just, I, I think they've figured out the bike as well as they figured out the Honda and it's just working better now. That's kind of word for word. What he said is, is that's how it's going is, is it's an, gotten so much better because he's more comfortable he knows what the mm -hmm. machine's gonna do he, he doesn't have to stress over it they've they've went out and trained for different scenarios you know just like the no seat thing that we were talking about mm -hmm. um yeah it, it's it, it's a definite difference have you watched any of the gncc stuff at all with walker Fowler, um, bryson i haven't keep kept that close on that series. I used to keep pretty close when, when Wesley was racing it, but um, ever since he stopped racing GNCC, I haven't, I haven't watched much of it. Well, let's speaking of Wesley <clears throat> planning on going to go, is he going to go back to the, the, to the race in the GNCC and the motocross? Um, I don't think so. I'm not a hundred percent certain on that, but I don't, I don't think he's gonna, I think, um, I think he's come to a realization that he needs to focus on one if he wants to be successful. And 
he just picked motocross over GNCC. So I think he's putting all of his focus into that. And um, I think that's the only way you're going to be good at one of them is if you put every ounce of focus into it. So I think he's made that realization in the past couple seasons. So um, I wouldn't say he's never going to race a GNCC race again, but I don't know that he'll, he'll uh, hop back in and, and race a full series. Well, they, they definitely miss him because he was a fierce competitor. Yeah, he was, he was good in the woods. He was, he was really good. Yeah. And I mean, you're a friends with him. How's his injury? Mm -hmm. It's good. He's getting, he's, he's back on the bike. Obviously everybody's seeing that all over social media. Um, you know, Aonia was his first race back and it was a mutter, which he was pretty bummed about, you know, he couldn't really do much about, you know, racing in the mud. He wasn't, he was looking forward to going out and racing on a dry race. And then, you know, we had high point and he had some mechanical, failures um in the second moto but he was running i think he was running sixth and and you know he was battling for fifth so i think it's a good step in the right direction um i know he told me that uh, johnny hale his mechanic put on the pit board when he was battling for fifth welcome back so um i think he's 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 taking it slow um but i definitely think by the end of the season he'll be back to where he was last year he's got a reputation of being a very tough individual so yeah. when you get a reputation like that, that your competitors are paying attention to what you're doing mm-hmm. because you are leaving a mark on them when, when you beat them or when you chase them down. You know? Yeah. He it was, it's, it, it's, it's in his blood. His dad's the same way. His dad's, you know, no quit. You know, he was, he grew up, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week and, you know, he raised Wesley that way. So Wesley is just, he's no quit. He's, he's a, uh, he's a hard guy and, um, he's, he's not going anywhere without, you know, succeeding again. Yeah. I'm kind of bummed that he, he stepped away from the, the woods as well, because I think that he had a, a good thing going in, in both. I know it's tough, yeah. but, you know, very few riders could, can do what he did. Yeah. You know? He won, I believe he won, um, two A-class championships at nationals the one season. And I believe he won an A-class or a pro-am at, at GNCC that year. So he was, I think he's one of the only ones to ever win an MX and a GNCC title in the same year. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, That's he was, he's crazy back. Yeah, he was a little bit, a little bit crazier when he was a younger kid, you know, he didn't really, he didn't really think of his safety or anything like that. And he didn't really care when he was tired. And um, I remember before I was even friends with him, you know, I saw on social media, he went and raced high point for, um, <clears throat> on Sunday. And he, he only lives about an hour and a half, two hours away from high point. So after the races on Sunday, he drove home to his house and he was riding at his house on Sunday night. He's just, he's, he don't stop. He's, he's crazy. That's, that's a severe case of he's got it bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really he's, bad. He's one of those guys. He went, he, raced all day on Sunday and then went home and rode his track. <laughs> Maybe he felt there was something that he, that he needed to work on or, or, or to figure out, you know, I don't think so. I think he, I want to say he won pro-am that weekend or a class. I think it was, it was back when he was racing amateur races still, but I want to say he won a class and then went home and rode, rode his quad at his house. <laughs> just, I think just, just to ride. I think he just wanted to ride. That's, that's, that's insane right there. Uh, I mean, most people don't do that. You know, they, they get in their race and they're done and they're, 
you know, they put the machine away and then they wait till the next training day and then they go train. And yep. Usually people take a day off after a race weekend, but, or at least the evening. Yeah. <laughs> at least, <laughs> man. Well, you know, yeah. you, you, we've been talking about a lot of different people. You talked to Bo. He freaking he'll, he'll get on and go ride just like that. Yeah. Just to go. Maybe he's not riding at, at race pace or practice right. pace, but yeah. he's not riding, you know, his two wheeler, yeah. four wheeler gets in a UT racer, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I he, saw him, I saw him posting. He was building some dirt jumps for his BMX bike at his house. He's, he just, he rides anything he can. Yeah. I mean, there's just some people that just have that desire. Yeah. I've never been, I either race or I really wasn't, I never really liked to go practice or trail ride. Yeah. I definitely am not the trail riding type, <laughs> um, which I kind of start needing to be at least a little bit. Um, but I, 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 you know, Canyon motocross is only, you know, 45 minutes an hour away from my house and they have Thursday night rides and, you know, I've gone up a couple nights and just, kind of rode and motored and you know just kind of had fun um i think a lot of a lot of practice comes from enjoying being on your quad i think a lot of people you know they kill themselves with the training aspect of it you know motoring every day or you know the people that have the ability to ride every day they just moto 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 and it kind of burns them out and um so i i i, I was that way you know, a couple of years ago, I, I went down, you know, I, when I rode with the Fords, I went down to Texas and, you know, I rode, I motoed every single day and don't get me wrong. It's a dream come true, but it almost just burns you out. You know, you get tired of riding your four wheeler. And, uh, so yeah, after, after I got bite your tongue, <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, I know a lot of riders, they just, they burn out and they, they don't want to, they wake up and they don't want to ride. And, uh, after that happened to me, I kind of took a step back and looked at it and realized that, um, you know, some people, you, you put too much pressure on yourself sometimes when you just go practice and, you know, there's some days where you just got to go have fun, you know, hit that big jump that you're having fun on six times and, you know, throw a couple whips over it or, you know, whatever, whatever that, you know, makes you love the sport, go do that, you know, and that will better you as a rider, I think more than you know, just pounding motos every single day. Well, sometimes instead of pounding that moto, jump in behind your buddy and, and race a little, you know, and, and yeah. you're not racing, but you're, you're, you're getting the work in and you're, you know, if he's on the same page as you guys, you're mm -hmm. racing each other and, and having a great yeah. time you know, mm -hmm. while you're passing each other and, and putting moves on. Or, yeah. 100%. That's, that's always something that's fun is I always like having to chase the rabbit. Yeah. See, I, I got fast getting chased and I'll hats off to, you know, there's two very specific people that I can think of off the top of my head at Wesley Wolf and Ronnie Higgerson, which I'm sure you've heard of Ronnie Higgerson. Um, you know, back when we rode with the Ford, they were both there and, there were days where, you know, they were both racing pro and I was racing, you know, a class and we'd go out and they'd give me, you know, a 10 second lead. And I was the one that they were chasing. And that made me probably the rider I am today. That, that benefited me more than anything I've ever done in racing. Cause you never wanted to get past. 
never want to get past. You're getting chased by, you know, two top five pro riders and you don't want to get, you don't want to let them pass you because they're your buddies, you know? So it was, it it helped me so much, you know, it pushed me to another level that I didn't even think I could get to. How good is the Decker facility for um, training? You know, when you go there and train to get ready for the, up and coming season with bad weather and everybody's there. So you're seeing everybody. Is it, is it, it's is it good still to be I there think, with everybody? I think so. Yeah. Because it, it almost, cause a, a lot of, in you know, the ATV world, everybody is friends, you know, nobody, you know, hates each other. You know, we're not gonna, you know, Joel Hetrick, if, if Wesley, Wesley and Joel are friends, but just hypothetically speaking, if Wesley and Joel showed up to the same track, you know, their buddies, they're just going to ride together. Right. So, that almost benefits both of them in the same sense, like, okay, so Wesley starts first, Joel gets behind them. It's going to benefit Joel by chasing somebody. It's going to benefit Wesley by, you know, running away. So um, I think a lot of the pros in, in our industry, they look at it as a benefit for both riders. So I think having as many fast riders at one facility, I think it benefits everyone because everybody's getting, getting something out of it, whether you're gaining speed or, you know, your learning lines or, you know, anything. I mean, even I think Joel could say that, I mean, he says now that Decker, he trained there this past winter and said it was the best, you know, winter he's ever had. So um, I think he would even agree that, you know, some of those young kids may have even, you know, taught him a thing or two, you know, here or there, even though he's probably the fastest rider on a four wheeler right now. um, I still think that, you know, you can always learn from other people. So I think it, it being that way and being so many riders down there, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing time. I, I got to spend a little bit of time down there um, a couple of years ago, right. When they first bought it. I mean, there's a, there's a gym there. There's a you know shop to work on your bike there. There's shower houses. There's a pit bike track. There's a woods course. There's two, you know, a full blown full size motocross track. And then there's a, an amateur track and, um, you know, there's so much to do and there's, it's, it's a blast and, you know, it makes training enjoyable. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely the top place to train at for, for MX right now. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. Does, does it, it, it stops here soon where they close it down here soon, right? Um, yeah, I believe, I believe they, I don't know what the plan is this year. Um, I know my, you know, we're good friends with the family, so. Um, but I, I haven't talked to them much about what their plan is. I know last year they closed it around June, um, for the summer. Cause a lot of the nationals, they move up to the Northeast coast and the Decker family is from the same town I was from in Pennsylvania. So it's a little bit easier for them to, you know, go to the rounds that are five, six hours away from Pennsylvania to where they're, you know, 25 hours away from Florida. So I think when that's part of the season comes, which is right now, cause um, I'm not sure where they're going to next, but I know um, Pleasure Valley, which is in Pennsylvania, that's coming up soon. And um, Sunset's coming up soon and Redbud, you know, they're all north, northeast. So um, once that transitions into the season, they, they move back up um, east and or up north and they stay there. So I think that's that's when they close the season down uh, I think or the, the track down. I think there's Ironman and then there's one other race and then there's Briarcliff. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's Ironman, Pleasure Valley, then Briarcliff. And then I think they go to Sunset, Redbud, Loretta's. Yeah, we're going to, ATV Talk is going to Briarcliff. Are you? I'm yeah. also thinking about going to Briarcliff. Just to, I'm not going to race, just to go hang out and 
see all, all my friends and stuff. So, well, the airline tickets are ungodly expensive. Unreal. They're unreal anywhere you go right now. Oh, Jesus. It's just, I looked at flights to go back home for a long weekend just to see my family and stuff. And, um, it was like, I looked at round trips. They were like $600 for a round trip. And then I looked at one ways because sometimes you can sneak a cheaper flight in. And the flight from Phoenix to Philly was 350. And the flight from Philly to Phoenix was only 120. Can you believe that? Yeah. How does that make sense? It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> I wish. Crazy. I, yeah. It's, it, it's unbelievably a pain in the neck. Um, yeah. but I shopped and shopped and shopped and, you know, the times that we're coming home are horrible. The times that we're going there are horrible, but yeah, that's why I think I, I got a week PTO. So I think it's going to be, um, a race. It's perfect time. Cause we got a break from racing and, um, that's in the middle of the summer. So it'd be nice to get out of the heat here for a little bit. And, uh, I'll probably fly back to my hometown, spend some time with my family and then, you know, ride to Briarcliff with, um, couple friends from my hometown and spend the weekend there and then come back and I'll probably set it up to where I fly out on a Wednesday and fly back on a Wednesday. So that's pretty it'll cool. It'll probably be a, a little bit cheaper. Be careful. If you're there when I'm there, I'm going to put you to work. <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> Need all the help we can get, you know, that's right. That's, that's pretty awesome. I, I know yeah. we talked a lot about other stuff other than, than your, than your season. I apologize for getting off track. Yeah, that's all right. That's all good. You know, it, it's always a good conversation and I like, I like to let it go where it goes. And, and yeah. there's things that you've experienced that I haven't, you know, so I wanted to get some insight on it. You know, it, it, yeah, it helps sure. me talk to some of these other riders that, that get to, that get to experience that. Uh, and, and you get to get a feel for what they're going through or what they're doing. Right. Well, that's, that brings me back to where I would, the question I was been trying to ask for the last 20 minutes, you're close to Canyon and you have Spooner that's close to Canyon. Mm -hmm. and you have Sloan that's close to Canyon. Mm -hmm. um, do you guys ever connect and ride at all? Have you, have you seen um, me and Spooner have tried to connect a couple of times, our schedules, you know, they, don't always work. Um, I know we've had a couple times where, you know, maybe his bike wasn't running and, um, sometimes where I didn't have a bike to go ride. So, um, I've, I've tried to, uh, I know me and Spooner, we're going to get together here soon and, and ride together for sure. Um, potentially, you know, in the next couple of weeks before Cedar, um, I haven't really talked to Sloan about riding together or anything like that. He's pretty, he's pretty, uh, quiet and, and a closed shell. So, um, yeah. To Spooner, pretty much that I've I've talked to. Oh, and uh, Damian Golden, um, he's racing works again. I don't know if you ever heard of the name. He's yeah, yeah, Squad yeah. X. Yeah, so uh, he's he lives in my town. So um, we've talked about going and riding and stuff. And uh, um, Dirt Halo, um, they live in my town, so they've talked about going and riding and stuff. So there's it's coming. You know, getting going to get more track time is coming. Excellent, excellent. Get some get some people to dice with and, and work on mm -hmm. some things and. And, and yeah. that'll be great for you to, uh, it's always good to mix it up so that when you go to race day there, you have that familiarity of people around you and especially fast mm -hmm. people. Yeah, I agree. That'd be good. I think you ride with a pretty, a race with a pretty clean group of individuals. Nobody's going to, you know, throw you on the ground or, or, or run yeah. deep. 
you know? Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think they get, I mean, we're racing, we're racing for money. So everybody gets a little aggressive here and there, which, you know, that's racing, you know, Robin's racing. Um, nobody's dirty. Nobody's going to T-bone you and, and flip you over, but, um, you know, nobody in the class is afraid to, to give you a wheel. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's a, it's a good class. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not scared of anyone. I'm not scared that anybody's going to take me out. Um, I'm not going to take anybody out and, um, you know, they're not afraid to put to put a wheel on you, which, you know, I like aggressive racing and, um, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a fun class. Everybody's competitive and I'm enjoying it. I'm glad Jacob, thank you so much for sitting down with me and, and giving me a recap so soon after your, uh, podium in Vegas. Um, I know that we didn't tell everybody what that race was, if that was round five of the world off-road championship series at the Orleans and it's the Orleans arena. So it was an in the stadium race and in the parking lot, just to clarify it. I know that people probably listen to this whole episode wondering what the hell we were talking about. <laughs> yep. Should have, should have explained that in the beginning. Sorry about that, but uh, that, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. All right. Now you know. <laughs> now they know. Now they know, right? Hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Can you do me a favor and and tell your dad that I will catch up to him and give him a big old hug for me and, and uh, you know, make sure that he's still smiling as well because I'm sure he is. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.